you're affected by anything you hear on this podcast, get in touch via manblues at gmx.com or at manbluesuk on Twitter. We're not qualified to help, but we can listen. Please don't suffer in silence. I'm Leon Deggs, and I have Man Blues. In this episode, we're discussing emotions. Okay, let's have a quick straw poll around the room. Who felt anxious, nervous, concerned, worried when they heard that the topic for this episode of the podcast is emotions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see all of you with your hands in the air because traditionally men and emotions, they are fickle friends at best. And I wanted to sort of understand why it is that men are kind of viewed as being emotionless when compared to women. Women wear their emotions on their sleeves. Men have their emotions knitted away into a tiny little box somewhere inside the ribcage. And we keep it down there until the box overflows and explodes all over the place. And that explosion comes all the way up our esophagus, makes its way out of our mouths, and we find ourselves shouting at somebody. And we don't fully understand why. So, I had to ask myself a few questions. Do men genuinely have fewer emotions than women? Can men cry? And if so, at what? Well, of course men don't have fewer emotions. We have the exact same number of emotions that women have. I'm fairly certain there'll be people listening to this podcast who have had a rush of these emotions when they've been sat on their own. And the reason I know that is because if you're even listening to this podcast, then you're not one of these toxic males who doesn't believe that men are weak and doesn't believe that you know men can have emotions and have, can show any weakness and that a man is a beer-swilling, beer-guzzling uh, sex fiend and you believe all these things because that's why you're not listening to the podcast. Those kind of men, you know, if you need help, if you just happen to have come across this wondering what the hell Man Blues is, please, listen on. You might learn something about yourself that you didn't really know. And in doing so, it might help you change to be a better person. If that doesn't sound like something you want, this really isn't the podcast for you. But those of you that are already listening, you will already have a feeling of where you've sat there in your room, in your bed, wherever it is, and you've just suddenly had this wash of emotion come over you and you don't know where it's come from, you don't know how to deal with it, and you struggle. I remember years ago, I haven't had this for a long time, probably because I've grown emotionally, mostly in thanks to my wife, because she's helped me understand a lot of things, and you know, she's a talker, she's from Germany, they talk, they don't let you bottle your emotions up, they will talk to you and they, they will drag it out of you. But I remember years ago, I used to have about one or two days a year where I didn't feel like myself, I didn't feel me, I didn't feel happy, I didn't feel good. Um, But this was at a time when I was always playing the fool. I was always the centre of attention in terms of whenever we went anywhere. I was fighting the fact that I was an introvert by being overly extroverted. Um, You know, when we were going out for drinks, I was the first one to, you know, get the drinks in and start drinking, tell jokes, crack things, you this, that, and the other, basically holding court with the entire room, um, which can get very draining. And I do remember sometimes coming home from these evenings and just crashing out Sparco on my bed because I was just so emotionally drained from having been full tilt all night. Um, And then you get up the next morning, you repeat it and you do it all again. But I do distinctly remember 
when I was on a, a work placement from university, I was over in, in Germany, and um, there was there was a woman I was seeing at the time, and one day she sort of came into my dorm, and I was a bit aloof and a bit cold emotionally and what have you, and didn't quite see myself, and she just said, oh, you don't, you obviously don't feel very well, you don't feel very good, um, that's okay, we can leave you for tonight, I'll come back tomorrow. She came back tomorrow, and I was back to quote my usual self. And it turned out that what it was, was it was me just having this bout of, I'm too tired to maintain this facade. I'm too tired to keep this episode going. So we talked about it and she actually said she found it quite nice to see that there was this side of me that was human because she thought that all she'd seen up to then was just this caricature of a human being. It was someone pretending to be human, almost potentially alien-like. And because I was British and she was German, she genuinely thought that's how British people behaved all the time until I said to her, no, I just, I just had a crash. And I would have those about once or twice a year. But that's because I was bottling everything up and pushing it down and deep inside me until it overflowed. But what would overflow would not be anger. It would tend to be sadness and sort of vulnerability and depression. Uh, those were the things that were bubbling out of my box. Those were the things I was hiding. And I, I find it interesting to look back on that time because it raises this question about was I technically emotionless because all I was doing all the time was just playing this character and pretending. So I did a bit of research as always on this podcast. It's never coming. I'd never come here empty handed. So I did some Googling, found a, uh, read a few web pages. And the first couple of things I found was there was, I basically I said, do men have fewer emotions than women or why are men emotionless? Uh, there was a nice little sort of snap soundbite that I'm going to steal, which is men are conditioned to believe that expressing their feelings is out of character with the male identity. And furthermore, men are told that crying in front of other people will threaten their masculinity. You know, the old classic of boys don't cry. Now, I talked about this briefly in the, in the toxic masculinity episode because that's very similar to that. It's kind of like, you know, boys don't cry, don't show your emotion, don't show your weakness, don't show anything like that. Just, you know, be a strong, positive role model for all men everywhere. You know, teach your sons that that's how they're supposed to be. Don't worry about it, bottle it up, it'll all be fine. Now, there's a comedian out there, an American comedian called Bill Burr. Um, if you've not seen any of his work, I highly recommend it. He's a very, very funny comedian. But he's also um, dealing with a lot of his issues, a lot of his personal anger issues, and he's dealing with them on stage. And there's a point where he talks about um, he bottles up his emotions at the time when he's feeling emotional, doesn't realise he's doing it, he just kind of suppresses it all. And then at some point later on, he has an explosion of anger and sometimes, you know, not physical violence, but certainly violent actions in his arms and stuff. And that's what happens to him when it all becomes too much but I was thinking well how much is too much and why can the triggers for this sort of explosion be so small I mean if you are a chap who sat on the edge of your bed at some point and wondered why it is you just said that to a significant other why it is you just done that to somebody and you're sitting there and you're wondering and you're questioning yourself why you've done it there is no solid answer to that other than perhaps in the previous two weeks three weeks three months two years no one knows exactly what you were pushing everything down and tying this tight lid on this box and then suddenly the lid ruptured because one thing too much was pushed into the box and it just burst open and then it resets see I've had this conversation with my wife a few times there is things that are trigger points for me in the house and that's going to be for everybody there's things that people just don't do the same way I would like them to be done I've talked about it before and I find that about once every if it's bad once every three to four months, I have an outburst. That's how we refer to them. I have an outburst where I just kind of go... 
it's got to that point where these outbursts are now well known in the house and in the family. The other two people in the house, they just let me get on with it. They let me say what I need to say, they let me get angry, they let me not necessarily storm out of the room, but they let me walk out of the room and then I'll come back an hour or two later and everything will be fine because while I will have said my piece and I'll be able to move on. Doesn't change the fact that those underlying things that have triggered me to be getting angry are still there. So after about 5, 10, 15 years of me doing years of me doing this, like two, three times a year, I then started talking to my wife about it and I basically said, look, you know, yes, I behaved inappropriately. Yes, I shouldn't have said what I said. I shouldn't have exploded about all this stuff. I should be able to manage my emotions and control my fear and control my anger and control all these things. I should be in control of my emotions and I should be able to let them out when I need to, but I should also be able to measure them. But I also said the problem is that the things that are making me angry are still there. So there's a little bit from her side as well, which is not helping. And that was one of those key moments for her where she was like, do you know what, you're absolutely right. Yes, it's inappropriate for me to react the way I react, but those things that I'm reacting to never go away. They're constantly there. And now she's got a better understanding of how it is for me in the house. So obviously, if you're going to be doing something like suppressing your emotions, that can, according to this website, lead to depression and anxiety. But for men especially, it can increase their risk of suicide. And as I've talked about in a previous episode, men are pretty good at committing suicide. Women will attempt, men will commit. And it is quite, I mean, the statistics are quite frightening. If you've not listened to that episode yet about male, male suicide, stop this one, go and listen to that one and come back because you'll be genuinely surprised. But the thing is, even though that we know this, we know that men are more inclined to commit suicide. We need to understand why that's the case. Why do we, even if we know there's a risk that we're going to commit suicide or we're going to feel suicidal, why do we still not do something about it? Why are we still ashamed and afraid to show our emotion? Who are we scared of? What are we scared for? I've mentioned before, the reason I'm even doing this podcast in the first place and the reason I came up with the idea of four man blues uh, it was so that there was a forum where men could discuss men's problems in terms of mental health. Um, as I said, there's a, there's a disclaimer right at the top of every episode that says, you know, we're not professionals, we can't possibly help you, but we can listen. That's still true. And I think that's what's key. Men do need to talk and men do need to listen. Every single conversation you've had with another man, there's been one man talking, one man listening, one man talking, one man listening. And sometimes the listening part isn't happening because sometimes you're stood in a room facing somebody, facing another man, and that man is just waiting for their turn to talk. Now that's not helpful to anybody. If you know someone who's waiting for their turn to talk, they're not going to be listening to you at all. So this chap, this friend of mine, who I'm hoping to get on as a guest for the for the podcast, he was the reason behind it because he opened himself very vulnerably to me um, after his mother's death. And it was really hard for me to sit in that room with him because up till then he'd always been someone I'd had a real joke with, he'd had a bit of a laugh, we used to go drinking just quite you know quite fun friends classic male friends about you know calling each other names and being horrible to each other saying the absolute worst about each other but knowing it came from a position of love and was not meant to be nasty and then he just broke down in front of me and started crying and I was like I don't understand how to deal with this because I'm genuinely not equipped with the tool set to handle a man crying in front of me a woman crying in front of me I know exactly what to do well not exactly but you understand what I mean I know what to do if there's a woman crying in front of me but if a man cries in front of me I'm, I'm you know rudderless but the other side of it is is that if you've got this um this frustrated anger you know because that usually is what it is for me it's it, i get you know frustration and anger bubbling up under me um, and i end up shouting into the darkness shouting into the ether 
Well, I started thinking, if I'm actually sitting there getting angry about stuff, this isn't the anger episode, by the way, this is about emotions, so this is all of it encompassed into one. So I was thinking, if you've got this frustrated voice that's shouting into the ether and shouting into the darkness, that will end up turning into a frustrated voice shouting at your partner, which is what I've done. Instead of me just walking out of the room and muttering to myself walking up the stairs, I've then found myself standing there and facing the argument and facing the discussion. And when I was a teenager, my sort of outlet for anger was that I used to go up to my room because there was a lot of frustration when I was a teenager. My sister used to have a go at me, my mum used to have a go at me. There was, and by go at me, you know, there's constant picking, 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 nagging, nagging, nagging. And I would then walk out the room frustrated, walk upstairs, and I would kick my bed. Now, all that ended up doing was damaging my toe because, you know, I'm, it wasn't kind of like a self flagellation thing, but I'd go upstairs and I'd kick the bed. But who's to say that had I not stopped that, my outlet for violence could have gone elsewhere. I might have then started swinging towards people or swinging feet or fists or whatever. I may then have, you know, it may have escalated had I not just realised that that was a stupid thing to do and to to deal with my anger differently. So how can my lack of ability to contain and deal with my emotions be turned into a positive? I looked that up as well. I will provide the links in the, uh, the episode blurb as per... I found a website called uh, that talks about how men can learn to be vulnerable. Yeah, of course we can. There are three things that they suggest that you can do in order to learn how to be vulnerable. Um, one is to just be honest about the way you're feeling. I mean, it couldn't be more obvious. You have to talk about what you're going through and you have to, un- you have to help people understand what your problems are. This is what my wife and I have been through and it really works. If you can tell her or you can tell anyone what it is that's upsetting you, even if nothing changes, you feel as though you know, you've been able to speak about it and then you can work on change. The second suggestion is to find therapeutic hobbies. And the final suggestion was to see a therapist. Now, okay, there might be some red flags going up for some of you because I wondered what on earth a therapeutic hobby was. I mean, I know what the word therapeutic means and I know what the word hobby means, but what is a therapeutic hobby? So I basically typed in therapeutic hobbies for men found a website that I will also supply because it might work for you but I found the website irritated me top of the list there was a rubric and it said sports and adventure okay so you're grouping them into types of therapeutic hobbies so these are supposed to be therapeutic right therapeutic meaning relaxing okay number one martial arts number two boxing number three running these are all quite aggressive sports means running I can definitely recommend because running helps me turn my head off but why does a man have to have a relaxing hobby that requires him not to be relaxed why can't I have a hobby where I sit there and read a book that may have been in this uh, because the website I found was 101 hobbies for men it may very well have been that reading a book was in that list but why was the very first thing on there a martial arts I mean seriously but then I started to think Maybe men need to have manly pursuits in order to be able to relax. Maybe that's what we need. I don't know. All I know is that when I read that list of 100... I didn't read all of the list, but when I saw that list of 101 hobbies that are supposed to be relaxing for men and the first three, 
were highly energetic and sometimes even violent. But I mean, martial arts and boxing, I know martial arts is about self-defense, but self-defense also includes violence. Um, boxing is violent, but it's also good for keeping fit. So if it was shadow boxing and so on, yeah, maybe energetic. So the point of it is, is that these sports and adventure uh, hobbies that are recommended are because it tires you out. So maybe the key to this is that we just need to be tired because if we're tired, it helps us not fight our emotions. So I'm Leon Deggs, and I'm tired. Thanks for listening.